Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is Mitu. And my name is BJ. And this week, we're watching the listener-recommended show, and it's shocking how many of y'all emailed us about it because it just came out, Netflix's Get Even. So stay tuned to find out what Mitu's life was like as a British high school student. So Mitu, tell us about this British teen thriller. This show focuses on a foursome of schoolgirls who work to expose bullies. Making up the Don't Get Mad or DGM group is scholarship student and overachiever Kitty, played by Kim Addis, rich, troubled Bree, played by Mia McKenna-Bruce, Video gamer Margot, played by Bethany Antonia, and popular girl with a secret, Olivia, played by Jessica Alexander. In this first episode, they avenge Mika, played by Emily Carey, whose intimate photos are stolen and posted online by Ronnie, played by Joe Flynn, without her consent. Ooh. I'd also like to drop in one quick fun fact. It's also an adaptation of a book series, Don't Get Mad, by Gretchen McNeil. Classic YA adaptation. Beach, how did you feel about this crew? I think this crew is very interesting. The Don't Get Mad Girls, DGM for short, because they all seem to be different stereotypes that you'd find in high school. The athlete, the nerd, gamer girl, the popular girl, the rebellious girl. But they've all come together for this common goal. And I think that's really interesting. And it makes me more excited to learn about the history behind DGM. How do you feel? This show borrows from classic tropes. It reminds me of Breakfast Club when you were just saying the video gamer, the overachiever, the popular girl. It made me think of how they have the sign off in Breakfast Club of the burnout, the this, the that. And so I agree. I didn't even think about their origin story. I just accepted them as the DGM. (laughs) And I hope that we get to see some of that origin story. I'm sure we will. And I'm excited to learn about that. I think this show overall is just such a fun entry into the subgenre of teens who get into trouble by trying to avenge others and stumble upon murder plots, which we'll learn is an overarching story over the series. So let's dive right into that concept. How do you feel about a group of main characters motivated by revenge? We have Elite, where they're trying to figure out who killed this very sympathetic character in the beginning. We have Riverdale, where everyone is killing everyone. And we have a whole host of other shows that that are like this, where teens are just trying to figure out who done it. In this case, their origin story is different. There isn't a murder or some sort of traumatic event that we know of involved with murder. They are just avenging their students and outing bullies at their school. We get a taste of that at the very beginning when they out one of the athletes at the school as very mean to the rest of the rugby team. Yeah, it's very interesting to see them as these like silent protectors of the people who are being bullied in their school, where they've made it their mission to help those who can't help themselves. Very honorable, even though they're doing dishonorable things to achieve that goal. So I like that they're able to present these morally ambiguous characters. Which is odd because they're not necessarily treated well by that school, and yet they are protective of the students there. 
It is odd. I don't know what motivates them because they seem to have very independent lives. Only one of them seems to be particularly popular. And I would hardly say they're friends with a majority of their classmates. I wouldn't say even the popular girl is doing that great. So we're introduced to Olivia in the opening scene as a popular girl with a secret. And in this case, I think it'll end up being that she is attracted to her friend Amber, played by Razan Nasser, even though she has a boyfriend, Dante, played by Chris Gordon. Maybe she can just have it all. I'm not mad at it. Willow talked about that on Red Table Talk. She was like, in my ideal world, I have a boyfriend and I have a girlfriend. And maybe that's what Olivia needs. Who knows? Let's talk about some of the other girls that we meet. Okay. What are your thoughts on gamer girl Margot? So she's an American. I want to know what brought her to this British prep school. And it seems like she has some crushes developing and some friendships developing. And it looks like she's trying to push herself outside of playing video games and keeping to herself. She overhears her parents arguing about the fact that they're concerned about how much she isolates herself. And I think the actor, Bethany Antonia, plays her really well. You're excited and intrigued by her, and you can tell that there's a lot bubbling under the surface. How did you feel about our main girl, Kitty? I think she's the one who falls into stereotypes a bit more than the other girls, where she's the overachieving high schooler who wants to be perfect. Her parents expect her to be perfect because that's what she's been doing, when secretly she could probably fail and her parents might still be supportive. And I think it's going to backfire. And we get hints of that at the end of this episode that she can be a little too focused on her goals and maybe she's overlooking some other things. She does have a moment like Beyonce and Pretty Hurts where she tears up all her trophies and certificates and she's just fed up with the expectations that she feels that her school and her parents have put on her, but also that she's clearly put on herself. And you feel for her. And then I would argue that Brie is pretty stereotypical too. So her father is a donor at the school. She frequently gets into trouble. You see that in a scene with the principal where he is telling her you need to get it together. And she was like, let's just cut to the chase where you call my dad, he cuts another check and we're good to go here. And she is that classic character of you think she has it all because she's wealthy, but she says that her father is never home, that she's lonely, she feels abandoned. And she turns to her friend, John, played by Isaac Rouse for emotional support because she can't find it anywhere else or she doesn't think she can find it anywhere else. I'm very conflicted about Brie and I think we need to learn more about her family life to get a better grasp on why she's behaving the way she is because she's having this cry for attention. That's why she's rebelling, skipping PE. And right now it seems like she could put more effort into making her own life better. And she's just kind of upset that her dad is not giving her the attention she wants versus the money that she has. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Brie, you have the resources to really, you know, make your life whatever you want. You could find someone else or multiple people to fill that void. Or you could fill that void with gold, money, trips in a pre-COVID world. She's got so many options besides skipping PE. True. 
But, you know, some families are richer in love than others, and that is not measured by dollars and cents. Coincidentally, did you see that there's a coin shortage in the U.S.? Yeah, people aren't spending their coins, so they're not going into circulation. Hmm, Brie could help with that. Are you spending your coins? No, I keep all my coins in a little jar. You're part of the problem. I call it my alternative savings account. Anyway... (laughs) Let's head into the main conflict of this episode, where we meet Mika Kavanaugh. She is hosting a really big party where she doesn't seem to be having that much fun. And she gets her phone stolen and private photos stolen. That's true that she didn't seem to be having fun at the party. She was nervous about people messing up her stuff. She even had an exchange with Kitty where she was scared that someone would throw up in her wardrobe or closet. And Kitty, half joking half seriously brought her a bike lock in order to close her wardrobe so that someone couldn't vomit into it. So it seemed like she was throwing the party maybe because she felt like she had to because she had the big house with the parents out of town. But it didn't seem to be her cup of tea, as they would say across the pond. And what happened to her is scary, embarrassing. But the question is, is Kitty crossing the line by suggesting that DGM help her out? So that's what we learned in the episode is in order for DGM to help her and to avenge Mika and get back at Ronnie, they would be violating some of the rules that they've set. That Kitty set. Of having some time between these events, setting some restrictions just so that they can keep their identity safe and their work secret and discreet. But Kitty is operating from a place of passion and guilt because she left the party early and she blames herself for what happened between Mika and Ronnie. And now she wants to say, you know, forget all the rules. I am mad, even though I said, don't get mad. And so I want to be M&E, mad and even. You can't have it all, Kitty. You can't have your cake and eat it too, even if everything turns out to be cake in the year 2020. Interesting metaphor. How do you feel about our perpetrator, Ronnie? Classic YA bad boy. You can see him coming a mile away. (laughs) Just a bad boy who's attractive. You called it. (laughs) Mika is an innocent girl and... She has a crush on him. I knew as soon as he said hi to her and she was like, oh, kitty, he said hi, Mika, to me. And I could just tell he meant more by it this time. I was like, oh, man, he's going to do something to break her heart. Yeah. Mika was too willing to open her heart to anyone cute who said hi to her and showed her attention. And Ronnie is a very smart boy who knows how to take advantage of people. Yes, and who knows how to use his charms. Yeah, he knows what he's good at. He's like that rich kid on Riverdale that Veronica hates from New York. So do you have any predictions? We know that the DGM is targeting Ronnie. We don't know what they're planning to do to him. Mm -hmm. It left off at them deciding whether or not to get at him and to listen to Kitty, who was in the heat of the moment, saying, we have to avenge Mika. Yes, Kitty has a plan that she's showing the girls and they'll decide how to proceed. So what are your predictions for that? Will they go through with it? Will they try to get back at Ronnie? Will they become level-headed, say, you know, the name of our group is Don't Get Mad, Get Even. So let's wait a few weeks till things calm down from our last action. What do you see next? I think they're going to get mad. Mm -hmm. I think specifically Kitty and maybe one other girl will get mad. Not all of them. Oh, so you think all four won't participate? Maybe all four will participate, but... 
but one or two will take it to another level. And that's where we're going to get some issues, some backfire, some crossing lines, Mm. maybe sloppy work where now DGM might get exposed. That'll be nice intra-group conflict. Yes, I think it's going to be amongst the girls and that Ronnie and Mika won't really play a big role in their actions. I see. And we forgot to say this, but another thing that I think will cause some conflict is Olivia's boyfriend, again, is Dante. And you see a spark between him and Kitty. And right now she's claiming that they're friends. Yeah, they're just friends, me too. But Olivia is a little suspicious of that. And as a viewer, I am too. I see a connection there. I don't think Olivia is particularly attracted to Dante. So I think this will all shake out for the best. But I think that'll lead to some intra-group conflict, too. It's already starting to bubble up. Olivia saw how much Kitty and Dante were talking at Mika's party before Kitty left early. So do you think DGM will survive the season? Yes, I think it'll be like Riverdale, where they break up as a crew, come back together, or any YA group where there's going to be intra-group conflict. This is a teen drama. There's going to be crushes and unrequited love and backstabbing and moments of conflict where you could have just had open communication and chit-chatted with each other to resolve it. So I think they'll go through all of those things. And maybe in the last episode, something big will happen and they realize that they have to band together in order to get through it. Nice. So me too. What would you rate Get Even on Netflix? I would watch again seriously. This is such a fun entry into the YA universe. I think if you were a fan of Pretty Little Liars, this really fills that PLL void. Oh, I didn't know you had a PLL void. I didn't watch Pretty Little Liars, but when I interned many moons ago, my roommates loved PLL. And so I watched a few episodes with them. I truly don't remember the plot. I know someone is named A, but (laughs) from what I remember, this is that kind of show where it's a little bit of like Gossip Girl, the OC, like that universe of drama mixed with murder and intrigue, which I think is the intersection at which PLL lies. Perfect. And you can start here, only 10 episodes for the first season versus Pretty Little Liars, where you've got a whole backlog to catch up on. And these episodes, as BJ and I like to note when they're nice length, nice pace, under 30 minutes and really well paced. Yeah, easy to get through. You can binge this show. I won't, but you can. So what would you rate it? I would rate this as a would watch again casually for YA fans, but would not watch again for me. Mm, Okay. It doesn't do it for you specifically, but you know that YA folks will enjoy it, even though you yourself are a YA fan. I've never described myself as a YA fan. I am a fan of some YA but I am not a YA fan. You like the YA that's a little bit more fantasy. You like the Maze Runner. I like less teen murder and more mm-hmm. adventure thriller. Maze Runner, Hunger Games, name one more. The Magicians. You would recommend all of those pieces of content to our listeners. Yeah, none of those are... Well, Magicians had a TV show, but I would not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different from the books. Just read the books. Oh. BJ making a book recommendation. I love it. You haven't read the books. No, I haven't. I will. Interesting. Anyway, (laughs) if you guys want to find more of our reviews, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. And you can always subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at thepilotpod. You can send thoughts, feelings, feedback, 
questions, show suggestions, since every other week we are responding to your emails as quickly as we can to review the shows that you're curious about. So send all of that to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.